and welcome to episode roughly 19 of Shuffle the Pack, a podcast loosely based on the Green Bay Packers. I am one of your hosts, Gary Swan, and joining me as always, my co-host extraordinaire, the Eric the Enemy to my Greg Williams, is James Wagstaff. Now, James, just before you jump in there, Packers have clinched the decision, the division, sorry, so I'm safe to assume you're doing well today. Yeah, pretty good. Um, even better. Playoff football January incoming. Uh, the Packers are obviously definitely going to be there. They're guaranteed at least the three seed. Obviously, still a lot to play for in terms of seeding for that, ideally that buy and that one seed and home field advantage. But um, yeah, pretty good. Really, pretty good. Yeah, and obviously we, we clinched the division uh, last weekend there with a 31-24 win over the Lions. Uh, how did that go for us? Yeah, so, I mean, it was a game that could have been an awful lot more comfortable the, um, after the, the Packers jumped out to sort of a two-touchdown lead. Late in the in the third quarter, they're up sort of twenty eight fourteen. Rogers is playing absolutely lights out as you come to expect so far this season, and you think the the game is very much at hand. But as this sort of Packers team has a way of doing, they they decide to make things interesting. They don't want you to you know go easy into the night and have a nice restful sleep. So they they allow uh, the Lions to to come back into it. The, the defense decides to you know just just commit endless penalties. Uh, just to, to, to invite the, the Lions down the field. Uh, the special teams continues to be atrocious and, uh, again, let them, them right back in. So could have been a lot easier. They got, they got what they came for, but it was, uh, yeah, still some, some concerning signs there, particularly when we play against slightly more talented squads later in the year. Yeah, no, I can't agree more. Um, you mentioned briefly there the, the penalty flags. Now, we had the, a very similar situation against the Colts a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that's like a, an endemic problem that we need to address and, and deal with going forward? It's certainly very frustrating and it's certainly something you think that they'd be able to clean up. And one of the, the sort of good things about this Packers team, particularly in the early weeks of the season, was how few mistakes they made. They, they really made you, if they made the opposition try and beat them rather than beat themselves. Whereas in, in recent weeks, although they, they have still been sort of stacking wins, there does seem to be a few more mental errors that are coming fr- from them, which is concerning. As I say, we, we've been playing sort of lesser opposition in some of these games, so you'd still expect them to, to, to win. But yeah, if you, if you give sort of any of these top sides route back into the game when you, that you've already won, you're going to end up losing and, and you're out of the, of the tournament. So it is concerning. You, you'd hope uh, that Matt, Matt LaFleur can get on to his, to his charges and actually sort of try and change the, the rent for me was absolutely seething on the sidelines uh, at times on, on Sunday with some of with the defence and him and Mike Petten going sort of back and forth at one step. Uh, and it's just, as I say, putting the, the, the team in such an awful situation, a game that you've already sort of got in hand at that stage. So Mike Petten then, is he, is he the guy that we need going forward? Because uh, the usual Monday morning Twitter meltdown was happening this weekend again. And there's, there's a lot of mentions of his name in particular being called out. Um, do we need to see a bit of a coaching change there on the D? I mean, personally, I think so. Um, what I think will actually happen is that they will, will continue to, to, to bring him on as the, as the defensive coordinator. I think we've seen enough from, from Mike Pettit. I think we've seen enough at the end of last season after he was sort of blown out in those two San Francisco games, obviously played again and didn't have any answer for, for what they were doing on offense. I, I think that you can see wasn't quite talented enough. I think Matt LaFleur is, is clearly one of the brightest offensive minds in football at this time. It gives you a very sort of bright future, but the defence, they're not sort of holding their end of the bargain. In fact, they've regressed this season. If you, 
compare them to what they were, particularly in the regular season in most games. So personally, I would say, you know, time's enough. We've, we've seen as much as we're going to see for, for Mike Pettin, but I personally think we'll keep him to go on to have a, a successful season in the postseason. I definitely think it's likely them. So if, if Pettin does go, who, who comes in to replace him, do you think? Do we get like Matt Patricia in just for fun? Oh, Christ, no way. I don't want him anywhere near the team. Um, I mean, there's been reports previously of, of, of Dan Quinn, um, that there's a, a connection with Matt LaFleur. Apparently, they, they were both uh, in Atlanta at the same time, so they've got a mutual connection. They, they do know each other and did lead some pretty impressive defences when he was with Seattle, which ultimately got him the job in Atlanta. Obviously, it turned out didn't wasn't a great head coach necessarily, and particularly when Kyle Shanahan left and didn't have that sort of offensive wizardry. But he has previously sort of, coached a very good defence so I don't know personally who it would be in this unlikely hypothetical situation of, of them getting rid of Petten but um, yeah he's been one name that has been sort of mentioned around at times. All right um, on a slightly more positive note did you see the three-man block done solely by uh, Robert Tunyon? did what a play um, absolutely unbelievable seeing I couldn't believe it when I saw the highlights because I missed it in real time, but I only saw it back on Twitter. And yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, what more can you say? He, not only did he knock three guys out, he then gave Aaron Rodgers about four years to, to pick apart the defense. Um, yeah, unbelievable. That was, that was something that I noticed on on Sunday. Like, obviously, I was live tweeting the game, so I was watching it through sort of like one eye and one eye on Twitter kind of thing. But I did notice that Rodgers had a lot of time in the pocket. Do you think the, the O-line is actually like that good or are the lines just that bad? I mean, that's been a consistent sort of feature of, the, of this season. Rodgers has, has had so much time in, in the pocket, even though there's been a fair few injuries across that line throughout the season. They, they have moved people about, but, but the one consistent feature outside of the Bucks game, when obviously we saw the worst performance of the season by a country mile... Uh, we, the the line have been very very consistent and given Rogers a lot of time. Obviously, that definitely played a role in in what you could say is an MVP caliber season from Rogers, just because say it's given him the time where he can sort of pick apart deep. He has been been surgical at times this season. But yeah, props has to go with the O line that it's arguably probably the best pass blocking O line in the league. Um, so so yeah, no, they've been been very very impressive, and that's one of the reasons why we're in the position that we are. Do you think we can carry that through to the Panthers game coming up next weekend? I'd like to think so. Um, this Panthers team have been sort of fairly plucky all season, would be how I would describe them. They've, they've stayed in games. Uh, they've been fairly well coached by, by my Matt Rule, who's obviously the first year head coach from, from Baylor. And, and they've looked sort of, you know, well coached all season, but not necessarily the most amount of talent. Um, and that's why they find themselves at the moment sort of four and nine. I think the, the Packers, in reality, this is a game similar to the Lions where they should be winning it. There's no net, no doubt about it, particularly with the news that Christian McCaffrey is, is due not to play again, which is, is massive. Obviously, the Packers, have, as we've discussed at length um, this season, have had their struggles uh, against, sort of run, against uh, good running backs. So the fact they're not going to play one of the best running backs in the league is, is of certainly an advantage from the matchup. I was, no. I was just gonna. Sorry, I was, I was just gonna mention the uh, the injuries that they've had this season because it's not just been McCaffrey. I know, like Bridgewater's had a couple of games out, and uh, DJ Moore's questionable for next weekend as well. Um, so, where, where do you think their main threat's going to come from this weekend? 
Yeah, I mean, as I say, they they have had a, a, an injury plagued season. As I say, not just from a talent perspective, but but yeah, they have been hurt with injuries this season. Caffrey being the biggest of, of those, he's only played four games so far this season. Absolutely killed thousands upon thousands of people's fantasy seasons as well. So he was pretty much the consensus number one pick, and he hasn't obviously barely played at all. In fact. I'm in my one of my semi-finals this week. I'm due to play a guy who picked him with his number one pick, and uh, yeah, liking my chances with McCaffrey no longer playing. So <laughs> it's certainly obviously damaging for, for for them. I think Bridgewater has been okay, not 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 terrible. He's not going to win you or lose you a game. He's been fairly sort of steady throughout the the game. But yeah, I think that that, that injuries and, and a relatively sort of talent or they probably has gone about as far as they can go. In. No, that's fair enough. Um, so what's your score prediction for the weekend then? I've gone for 29 to 22 at the Packers. I think it's going to be really reasonably close. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously last season, this when we played them, obviously McCaffrey was playing there, but different quarterback and obviously different coach. Circumstances, it, the game was 24-16 and it came down to a final play on the goal line um, for the Packers out with a win I think this year I think we're going to be a bit I think we'll, we'll win a bit more comfortably uh, I think it will finish 35-20 uh, to, to the Packers I think we've just got a bit too much on offence I don't think they'll be able to keep up with us uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater will be quite good QB and they've got enough offensive weapons that will be healthy but I don't necessarily think our defence will play amazingly I just don't think they've necessarily got the talent I mean, you say that, but they're, they're, I can't remember the guy's name at the moment, but the guy who's filled in for McCaffrey all season, he's been, he's been looking really good. Is it, is that, yeah. It's like a Robinson or something like that. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, really good. Mike Davis, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, Robinson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been sort of fairly impressive. And he'd, he'd had a pretty uh, career that you sort of wouldn't really notice prior to this season. He got a fair bit of run this season because of the injury to McCaffrey. And he's been reasonable. I still think that you know, all things considered, he's not McCaffrey. Um, we should have enough to 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 uh, to stemmy him on, on defense and say, I, I certainly as a as a proposition, much fancy, much prefer sort of playing him than McCaffrey. All right, that's fair enough. Then I think we can uh, we can safely move on from there because I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, to you, I'm quite proud of how I segued in from the the Lions game to the Panthers game. You didn't even mention it, but whatever. Um, all right, so let's go with the, the NFC playoff situation. Obviously, the Packers are uh, currently number one seed. That's due, as far as I can tell, down to the fact that we beat them uh, earlier in the season because we're both 10-3 and three now. So what's the, the permutations going forward, do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a Packers perspective, it's fairly simple in the sense that win your last three games and your guaranteed home field advantage at this point, as you mentioned, we have that week three win head-to-head against the, the Saints, which is, is a great tiebreaker to have in, in the back pocket at this, this time of the season against sort of your main rival for that number one seed. Because obviously, yeah, if you finish level pegging, you're going to, um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to win out. So that is the first option. Obviously, Saints have got a very, very tough draw this week um, playing the, the, the Chiefs without Drew Brees by the looks of things. I think he's still going to be, be out injured. So, there could well be that the Packers, you know, they actually can afford to slip up in one of their games. Now, it gets a little bit complicated uh, if they do lose to one of their their last one of their last two NFC opponents. So that's the the Panthers on Saturday, or the um, the Bears in in Week 17. 
they can afford to lose the week 16 game against um, against the Titans, but they can't afford to lose either of the other games. The reason being is if we were to lose the Titans game, for it, and then we finished with a record of 12 and 4, then you're, you're inviting both either the Seahawks or the LA Rams, if they were to win out, a similar record and it would be a three-way tie, then that head-to-head with New Orleans no longer counts. So it all gets very, very complex. Uh, so Packers definitely need to win this week, definitely need to win in week 17. They've still got a very good chance of, of getting that by, but the simplest and easiest way, win all three, and uh, Bob's your uncle. You mentioned the, the Titans quite a lot there and, and how important it is to, to win that game as well, really. Um, given how strong they are with the, the running game, like Derrick Henry, like what's the, the easiest way against it? Surely it's to like get like a big early lead and force him to throw to keep the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands? Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's the, the way that you, you need to, to beat them. Also, I mean, their defence isn't great. Um, it's, we've seen that throughout this season. But Derrick Henry is a beast. It's not a great matchup from the Packers' perspective. I think it's a big game for confidence. I think if the Packers could find a way to win um, against the Titans and win sort of handedly, I think going into the postseason, that would really lift the, the squad. Because obviously, they're already going to be in a, in a fairly sort of good position anyway. But to have that sort of win against the playoff caliber team in December, Derek Henry running all over teams over 200 yards against the Jags on Sunday, he's an absolute beast. There's no doubts about it. And it, I think it is a very good test. And we'll definitely get into that a lot next week in, in sort of previewing that game. But it, it is the, the one that's been marked in my calendar for, for a little while because, as I say, can't look past games and say that we've got to beat Panthers this week. But it's certainly a game that. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing and have a bit of a playoff field because both teams will want to kind of mark a prize for the postseason. So, we've obviously got the Panthers and the Titans and the Bears, and our number one rivals, the Saints, have got Chiefs and the Vikings and the Panthers. Um, obviously, the Panthers will be up for the, that last game against the Saints because it's a divisional game, but do you think the Vikings will roll over just to uh, stick one to the Packers? I don't think the Vikings will roll over simply being is that there's a good chance that they'll really, really need that game um, because if they beat the Bears this, this weekend, they're still very much in the hunt for the, the last playoff position. Obviously, they, their playoff chances take, took a big hit uh, with Dan Bailey deciding that you know he forgot how to kick this week, which was very, very funny. Um, but they still, they're still well in the hunt um, at this point. And so if they beat the Bears this week, um, that there's a chance the Cardinals they've still got to play against the I think they've still got to play both Seattle no no they haven't got to play Seattle. they've got to play the Rams again which no no, no gimme so yeah the, I think the Vikings could be still be a tough game for the Saints I think the Saints probably beat the Panthers uh, in week 17 but that but um, yeah still two fairly tough games that's fair enough um, alright so last week we picked the Browns Ravens for the game of the week um, I watched most of it, but when I went to bed, the Browns were like two scores. No, Ravens were a score behind us. I can't remember. It was like third, middle of third quarter, anyway. Um, Lamar had just been off for his, should we say, abdominal problems and then come back on the pitch. Uh, I don't know if you watched it in the game. Did you see it? Or? I didn't watch the game live, but I did watch the highlights in the morning. And yeah, I mean, we, we called it the game of the week. It's no doubt the game of the season thus far. Um, there was how many points scored in the last two minutes? It's absolutely absurd. Uh, that, 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 that ending and, and, drama of him going off uh, obviously with cramps in inverted commas definitely 
Yeah, definitely the shits. Um, have you seen? Have you seen the video of him walking off down the tunnel, sort yeah. of doing that walk that everyone knows? Everyone knows what that walk is. There's no no hiding from that walk. We've all been in that situation from time to time. Um, but yeah, he comes back on fourth down, replaces Trace McSorley who who got injured on on the previous play and almost lost the football, which would have been a, a Browns win, and uh, comes out, throws a touchdown strike to um, Hollywood Brown, only for Baker to drive down the field, get a touchdown. You think, oh, they've, they've clearly won it, but obviously Justin Tucker, he doesn't give a fuck. He'll just, he'll steal people's hearts and he's been doing it for years. He's unbelievable. Best kicker in the league. Bar Mason Crosby, obviously, and I love him. Yeah. But second best kicker in the league. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, bits of, the bits of the game I did watch, because like, it was on at like one o'clock in the, like half one in the morning or whatever it was, so I was kind of like watching it with one eye floating out a little bit. Um, it, it was like a really exciting game for a neutral. Um, I should probably go back and actually finish watching the highlights because I was kind of half watching them at work and like clearly wasn't paying enough attention to that. Um, but yeah, like, everyone's been saying it's like the game of the season. And I, everything that I saw doesn't contradict that at all. I mean, I'm not sure why it would contradict it anyway, but um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting good at picking these games of the week, but yeah, we've we done a good job thus far of picking some, some really sort of compelling matchups. So, well, this week, uh, I think, I mean, the one that stands out uh, is not the most compelling uh, schedule on paper. I'd say it's got to be the, the one we've discussed a little bit already, which is, is going to be that uh, Saints-Chiefs game. It's got huge playoff implications from a seeding angle for both the AFC and the NFC. Um, obviously, the Chiefs presently, just they're just ridiculous. Um, obviously, Mahomes has terrible game by his standards uh, against the, the Miami Dolphins who have been pretty frisky all season and it doesn't matter like they, they're able to just turn it on for a quarter or two and they still win comfortably it's bizarre they've 10 nothing down they did it obviously how many times last season in the, in the postseason where they put themselves in a hole and then they get out with it by half time and they're not even in a situation it's truly incredible they are a formidable side um, and I would I'd certainly fancy them to, to beat the Jason Hill led, led Saints this week just because it just seems so ruthless. Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes look so frazzled, I suppose. Like, he, like, he wasn't his usual, like, collected self. Like, I think there was one point he was sacked, like, minus 20 yards or something daft like that. Um, and then it'll be like a, a, like a second and 30 or something stupid. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it seems like the, the, the Dolphins are doing incredible this season. And they had... They absolutely had the Chiefs' number. I mean, they they lost like twenty eight points on the bounce, but apart from that, they look really good. Yeah, I'm very impressed with this Miami side. You've got to got to hand it to to, to Brian Flores. He's he's probably arguably sort of coaching season material. He's taken a squad who last season everyone they were the laughing for the beginning few weeks of the season. Everyone saying obviously they were just tanking for two and they they didn't really. Give a fuck about the, the, the season and he turned that squad into a five-win squad which they had absolutely no business so that was impressive in itself but then to take obviously a draft picks a slightly improved team but still no not the most pal- talented squad in the league and put them as a, a genuine AFC playoff contender and, and you'd be hard I'd be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs at this stage given you know their running and how they've been playing You've got to say he's he's done a tremendous job. He's turned that that ship around in in two seasons, season and a half, which is, is incredible. So no real real props to Brian Flores. I really enjoy watching the Dolphins because you never really know what you're going to get with them. They play really good defense. They play special teams, which 
thing we, we we're very accustomed to watching. So um, it's it's uh, yeah, no, very interesting. Can see that he's uh, been studying under Bill Belichick for a long, long time. There's a lot of similarities for, with uh, how he coaches. So just to run back to next week's game of the week, then are you going for Chiefs or Saints? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, I, I can't see anyone beating the Chiefs at the moment, um, except the Packers maybe in the Super Bowl. But uh, that's more of a, a biased thing than anything else because they are they are tremendous. They're they're, they're generally quite exciting to watch as well. Um, right. So just before we move on to the the MVP and Mister Irrelevant, should we, I think we need to talk about the the, the Dolphins there for a little bit more because obviously. Like, so they're, they're basically in their second year of a rebuild with like Tua and some of the bits they picked up this season or last season. But they still have the Texans' first and second round picks this year, or is it this year and next year, whatever it is. Um, and the Texans are already out of the playoff situation. They're, they're basically done. Their season's finished. So they, the Dolphins are looking like they've got a lot of strong draft capital still. Yeah. I mean, the, the, being a Dolphins fan right now, you'd be pretty happy I think with, with the direction that, that your sort of club are going at at this present time I'll say you've got Brian Flores in the building which as I say is a huge um, clearly a huge advantage in the way that he's been coaching the last couple of seasons uh, the fact that you've got two in the building you know he's been okay not exceptional so far this season would be my personal grade on him he's flashed at times um, but, but still he's a rookie so you'd expect there to be room to grow so to speak so it'd be interesting particularly with a full off-season, sort of OTAs and, and training camp that we didn't really get this season to see how much he comes on next season. That, that could be a really sort of big leap. But as you say, yeah, the fact that they've got a shed load of, of Bill O'Brien's draft capital still, um, it is intriguing to see sort of what the team can become. Because I say that they're already a playoff team this year too. Add in some more, some more very talented high round draft picks for the next couple of seasons. And what sort of basis could the Bills and... Um, Dolphins could be going back and forth for a good few years in that AFC East, and it might well no longer be a laughing stock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll forget about the Jets for a minute. But um, the obviously the the Patriots are having an off year, but they've lost a lot of major pieces in their their offense. Um, obviously, Brady's gone to Tampa Bay. I think like six other players opted out for the season as well, and they've had a few injuries. Um, and Cam Newton hasn't been the Cam Newton of old, obviously. Um, like with his, uh, he's still recovering from his injuries and the COVID as well this season. So the AFC West could get really interesting the next two, three, uh, East, sorry, could get really interesting in the next couple of years if Josh Allen stays playing at the level he has been, if Brian Flores can bring the team on like he has been, and if Belichick gets his pieces back, they'll be back stronger as well. I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you give Belichick the, the benefit of the doubt that he's going to turn things around. Um, he's shown that year in, year out. Obviously, he hasn't got Brady anymore and that quarterback decision for, for New England is going to be fascinating moving forward. I think we've seen this season that, that Cam Newton, unfortunately, is no longer it. Uh, quarterback, he's just not good enough throwing the football. He's uh, such a dangerous weapon inside the red zone running the, the ball, but you need to be able to throw the ball. Uh, just to be an NFL quarterback and it's probably pretty much rule number one. And unfortunately, he, he just doesn't have the, the accuracy, the arm strength, doesn't know he's kind of kind of read the defense, but something's not right. Uh, he's just not been able to perform this season, and I, and I think that he, he's probably looking at backup, which just seems bizarre, obviously, for an MVP only five years ago to, to be in that situation. But unfortunately, just the situation we're in with Cam now. Do you think that, uh, Cam Newton would be good in like a Taysom Hill sort of role, where he's sort of like part-time running back, part-time quarterback? I, I have had this thought where at this point. 
why is he not uh, just a wildcat quarterback? I mean, I would be surprised if, if New England, they do like to get a bit fruity in terms of their play call, particularly in the end zone. They've never been afraid to sort of run trick plays and, and that sort of thing. He's he's the perfect red zone quarterback, really. He has the threat to throw. He is a bulldozing runner who can get into the end zone seemingly at will. So why not, if you can keep him on your team, similar to what the Colts have been doing this season with Jacoby Brissett, which is bringing him in for short yardage, even though he's not a particularly great short runner, which is surprising, but they've had that package just because Phil Rivers is so immobile that he gives them no option to run short yardage stuff. Cam actually can do that. So it would be intriguing if, if a team was said, actually, we'll give you five, six million to come and we're, we want you to be our red zone QB and, and we're going to give you snaps in the road zone and, and allow you to have that sort of wishbone running for like It would be interesting and it would certainly be a hell of a weapon as we've seen thus far this season. Just getting him inside the 20 is his issue. I, th- I think if he's going to take that role, that would be a good place. Uh, sorry, the, uh, Denver would be a good place for that to happen. So they've got Drew Locke, who doesn't look like a terrible quarterback, but he needs a lot of help. Um, he doesn't seem to have like the final, I don't want to say killer instinct, because that sounds ridiculous, but if he's got someone like Cam Newton to back him up, he, there's maybe less pressure on him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's more pressure. If you've got someone of, of Cam's stature behind you, behind the scenes, obviously sort of waiting in the wings to take your spot, it is obviously... I'd be intrigued again to see what what Denver do from with a Q, with the QB position. Drew Locke had a good-ish rookie season last season. It was a lot of going into the season. A lot of people were pretty high on on the, the Broncos, myself included. Uh, thought there would be a, a sort of a bit of a dark playoff force, but just because of the the offensive weapons that they they sort of drafted in uh, and some of the players they had on defense, but that that didn't materialize. Uh, and Locke's had a very very shaky season. Now, he played absolutely unbelievable on Sunday against the, the, the Panthers, which, you know... Or something. Pardon? I think he had four touchdowns in that game. Yeah, four touchdown passes, no picks. Yeah, he looked the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback uh, this week, which is, is saying something when Rodgers is playing as, as well as he is. Um, now, you do wonder if, if that will potentially sort of pull the wool over ownership's eyes, if he can play like this until the end of the season and they can sort of get up to, a, say, an 8-8 eight and eight record for, for the end of the season, will they say, oh, we'll, we'll keep on with, with Drew Locke and, and will that be a mistake? We've seen it countless times where quarterbacks have really sort of turned it on in the month of December, particularly when they're playing against teams that are already out of playoff contention. Um, their ownership then sort of, oh, this is the new quarterback, we'll ignore all the gone before. And um, uh, and they'll bring him in. I mean, the same could be said for, for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he he's obviously since he's come back into the team, bar the game against the Packers, which you know he didn't look he didn't look great. But since then, he's actually looked okay. Um, if you didn't know what had come before, you'd might say that he's a legitimate option for them. And I I fucking hope they do think he's a legitimate option moving forward because if they sign him up for another another three four years. I would I'd be very very happy with that. That's <laughs> fair enough, aren't they? Um, just to touch back on the Broncos again, they they've had quite a lot of injuries themselves this year. I know they mm-hmm. they the rookie uh, wide receiver they drafted. It was meant to be like all all things to all men, and he's he's been nowhere because he's been injured all season. And then there's the I want to say like two or three the defensive line have been out as well all season. So um, I can't remember what their injury report is exactly, but it's it's not been great for them. Yeah, no, yeah, they haven't had the best luck this season with injuries, unfortunately. Obviously, losing Von Miller, 
before the season starts is, is, is huge. And then, yeah, as you say, they lost Cortland Sutton, the, the, the receiver, uh, well prior to, to the season. And these are two sort of massive building blocks on both sides of the ball, which, you know, that's always going to hurt. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think they haven't, as I say, seen the progress that they would have hoped from, from Drew Locke. Unless Sunday's game was a turning point and he suddenly starts playing lights out and, and that's him moving forward. I think that they'd be disappointed with how he's grown. Gary Judy, the, the receiver they took in the first round, has been has looked good. Um, I, he wasn't great, but he's still a rookie receiver. Um, obviously, when you've had other rookies come into the league and been a slightly more impactful, uh, you kind of forget about him a little bit when you've got obviously the likes of um, Jefferson in, in Dota. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, right, I think we've spoken enough about the general odds and sods around the league. So we'll move on to your MVP this week, mate. How are we, how are we looking for that? Who's, uh, who's your main guy? Yeah, so I'm going to go this week with a, jo- a co-MVP. Um, hasn't been seen for, since what, 1997, the last time there was a, a co-league MVP, which was... Um, I don't know, like, we, had a, we had a co-Mr. Irrelevant a few weeks ago with uh, Bill O'Brien. But... Yeah, so, so I, I, my co-MVPs this week are Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers, and I tell you for why they are both running me to the fantasy championship in my league. They're both picked up off waiver wires at some point this season, uh, and they're both really turning it on in the money time. So I'm really happy with them, and I chose them as my MVP. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, I went for a slightly less selfish reason. I went with Josh Allen because he's, he's he played the, his last game like he's back to his early season form. When uh, I don't know about you, but I was certainly backing him for like a very late wild card um, MVP contender. I don't think he'll, he'll, he's obviously not going to get that this year, but he has been looking very good for the last couple of weeks again. So he's my MVP this week. Yeah, um, Mister Irrelevant, who have you, who's been dog shit this week? So it's not his first appearance in, in Mister Irrelevant, but I, I, I don't think I can articulate how fucking shit he is, and that is Adam Gase. Adam, yeah. <laughs> you are embarrassing um there's the only way i can describe it you are an embarrassment in sport at this stage you go up to seattle and you get blown out 40 points to three you're not you're now 0 and 13 this season you are not an nfl caliber coach you are a disgrace and you deserve this and you probably deserved it every week this season but i've only given it to you like two or three times nearly enough uh, yeah, there would be kind of, there'd come a point like where if we gave it to him every week like he deserves, it would look like some sort of bullying or something, or like some sort of like personal mission. But I think he's doing enough of that to himself that we don't need to like compound that. He's gay slicing the Jets. <laughs> I like that. He's only got like three games of his his whole NFL career left, so we should probably like leave off until, you know, maybe give him like Coach of the Year award or something later on. <laughs> um, my Mister Relevant. Right, so like you know, like, I think it's fair to say that I've been pretty big on Justin Herbert all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the way he plays. He actually plays a lot like Josh Allen, so clearly I like that style of a, of a quarterback. But I think he needs uh, better coaching, and I don't think that Anthony Lynn is that guy. So for me, Mister Irrelevant this week is Anthony Lynn because he was like he took over special teams and immediately special teams started fucking up at the Chargers. So that's that's my Mister Irrelevant this week is Anthony Lynn. Yeah, he's another guy that you think that's pretty strong possibility that he's going to be looking for work in the very, very near future. Um, yeah, he's just not, not it, is he? It's a shame. They, they've, they've got a relatively talented squad um, and they've never really put it together. Was outside that, that a couple of seasons ago that where they went to the divisional round against the, the Patriots and lost. 
they've never really put it together, which is surprising given the talent on that squad. So yeah, no, I, I totally back that. That's uh, that's music to my ears. Uh, right, so have we, have we missed anything? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, uh, outside of Rogers being unbelievable, I mean, I've literally run out of superlatives at this point to, to talk about how well he's played this season. He has got to be the, the favourite now for, for MVP. If he can just continue this form uh, for the next three games, you think that it would probably be in, in the bag for three games. I don't want it to be three games. It needs to be for three more games after that. A total of six more games. And then he wins the Lombardi and he wins the MVP and, uh, and we'll both be very, very happy. <laughs> oh, I'll be pretty chuffed about that as well, actually. Yeah. Um... I was going to say that. All right, yeah, so the, the injury report, how are we looking? I think Lewis is out, EQ's out, Lazard is questionable, and Sternberger might be out as well. How how impactful would that be against Panthers, just quickly? Yeah, so, so I mean, looking sort of at, at the injury report, I think Sternberger, who's obviously missed the game last week uh, with the concussion, looks looking like the, that's probably still going to be the case. Um, outside of that, it looks on paper as though they're, they're relatively healthy obviously you're never going to be fully healthy this late in the season and the injury report has a lot of names that are sort of limited but that has been the case for, for, for a good few weeks now so you'd expect the vast majority of those guys to, to suit up and you'd expect to be a fairly full strength from what we w- w- would expect um, obviously one day less to prepare than usual but that means they get an additional rest day obviously from our standpoint Good news that it's there on a off me. Yeah, it's a good news that it's on a Saturday night. It means I'm not absolutely dying on Monday morning at work. Uh, I can actually have a, a line the next day and, and recover from staying up. <laughs> Bit of a result there. Huh? Um, right then, if that's uh, if that's us, then I'll probably just call it call the end of the, the end of this recording. Then fuck it, why not? Um, all right then, you can. If you're still listening to this point, you can follow us on Twitter at ShufflePack or you can email the pod with any questions if you want to get in touch. If you want to uh, be on the podcast as a guest, you can email us at ShuffleThePackPod at gmail.com. Um, I don't think there's anything else to say. Not, normally, there's, we, we thank our guests, but we haven't had a guest this week because it's the fucking Panthers or some point. So uh, <laughs> on that note, we'll, uh, we'll go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.